It's New Comics Day, Wednesday, October 18th, 2017, and you're listening to God and Comics, the show that 9 out of 10 doctors prefer, and the 10th doctor is Dr. Doom, so we really don't care what he thinks anyway. <laughs> on today's show, what we did on our summer vacation, we'll talk about ecclesial migrations, European vacations, and new Spider-Man iterations. So, go pour yourself a libation and get into a comfortable situation as you await with anticipation our coming ruminations. I'm your host, Jonathan Michikin. I am assistant chaplain at St. John the 23rd College Preparatory in Katy, Texas. On the line with me today is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I'm the rector of St. George's Schenectady. And also on the line is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm the rector at Church of the Messiah in Fredericksburg, Virginia. We have a, a whole bunch of stuff we're going to talk about today, including uh, the fact that you'll notice my introduction of myself was a little different. But first, we're going to go right into this week's recommendation. And... I think I've talked about this on, on God and Comics before, that I'm, I'm definitely a big Star Trek nerd. This particular recommendation is actually a crossover. Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who, Assimilation Squared. That's the name of it, Assimilation Squared. So it's Assimilation, got the little, you know, two up in the corner there. And this came out a uh, single issue in, in 2012, and then it, it came out in a two-volume set from Dark Horse in 2013. It's written by Scott and David Tipton. The art was by J.K. Woodward. Uh, as far as I know, it's the only crossover that has been done between Star Trek and Doctor Who. You guys, are, I assume, are familiar with Star Trek The Next Generation. Do you do you all know Doctor Who? Are you Doctor Who fans? Uh, I'm actually more familiar with the original Star Trek than I am with The Next Generation. And the same thing actually holds true for Doctor Who. I'm familiar with Doctor Who, but it's more of the 1980s iteration okay. of Doctor Who that I know. Yeah, with the stuff that looks like it came out of uh, somebody's basement. They, like, yeah. pasted it together. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, well, I know in, uh, Star Trek Next Generation pretty well. I, I mean, I was a big fan of that. But um, Doctor Who is one of those shows where it's like, I probably really should be into it. Mm -hmm. But I, I've never really taken the opportunity to dive in. Yeah, I like Doctor Who a lot. I'm not like a super fan. Like I, I'm, you know, Star Trek. I know forwards and backwards. I can't say that about Doctor Who, but I do enjoy Doctor Who, and I, you know, I've been watching it off and on since I was a kid. And of course, it's been a around a lot longer than uh, than frankly than I've been around. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's sort of a great show with a great premise. This uh, this guy, this Time Lord, the last of the Time Lords, who goes around uh, usually with some sort of human companion um, in this thing called the TARDIS, which looks like an old police box, uh, but uh, uh, is much larger on the inside. And they go to different planets and different time periods and have adventures. And the show's been on since the 60s, 
and with different actors playing the Doctor. He's just the Doctor, so that's why it's called Doctor Who, because they, they, they never reveal any other name for him. They just call him the Doctor. And the way that they get around the different actors playing him is that one of the features of the Time Lord race is that every once in a while they... I don't know what the word, the exact wording is, but they suddenly have a new incarnation of themselves, basically, and all of a sudden they have a new body, and uh, <laughs> and some of their mannerisms are different, but it's still somehow it's still the same guy. It's still the Doctor. So I'm not sure how many they've had at this point, but uh, a fair number of them. Uh, this particular comic crossover involves the Eleventh Doctor and his companions, Amy Pond and Rory Williams, who were uh, the humans that were traveling with him. In true uh, shady sci-fi fashion, the Doctor and the two companions somehow transfer universes from their universe to the Star Trek universe and just show up in the holodeck on the, uh, on the Enterprise. They, you know, they don't explain that terribly well. But what's, what I think is really interesting about it and what what I think is probably clearly the reason why they wanted to do it is because the two villains that they team up that uh, the crew of the Enterprise along with the Doctor and his companions have to thwart are the Borg and the Cybermen. Now, if you're not familiar with one but you're familiar with the other one, congratulations, you're familiar with both of them because they're essentially the same thing. The... <laughs> The Borg and the Cybermen uh, are both these sort of part organic, part, you know, cy uh, cyborgs, really. Uh, part organic, part robotic people who go around the universe trying to basically assimilate people. So for, for, the, um, for the Borg, they, they talk about assimilation and they just take whole cultures and just kind of suck them up and destroy them. And then those people become Borg. The Cybermen, it's more like these people are going to be spare parts, you know? <laughs> it's a really similar idea. A lot of people have, have suggested that maybe the, um, the Borg were stolen from the Cybermen. I don't, from what I've seen, I don't think that's actually true. I, they had another thought in mind. It's not like it's that unusual of an idea. Um, there are a number of these sort of things. But the Cybermen is, is the older thing. They go all the way back to 1966. But anyway, the Cybermen and the Borg team up, and they're going to destroy the universe. Uh, and so these guys have to fight against them. And uh, there are all sorts of wonderful kinds of uh, twists and turns to this adventure. At one point, because the, the Doctor is now in this uh, Star Trek uh, universe, he suddenly has a memory. He didn't have this memory before when he was in his own universe, but now he's in the Star Trek universe, and he suddenly remembers that he'd actually been there before, and they do a flashback to the fourth Doctor hanging out with Captain Kirk and the crew of the original Enterprise when a Cybermen <laughs> threat appeared. So it's a lot of fun. The art is really great. I mean, it's impressionistic in some places, um, you know, a lot of brush strokes, but really true to the characters. It's one of the things I love about fandom kind of comics 
you know, that you can you can enjoy a television show or a movie series or something for a few years, however long it runs. But then, of course, you know, the actors and actresses, they get older, they move on, some of them die. And so even if you did a reunion, it wouldn't quite be the same. Well, the beauty of doing this stuff in comic book form is you can tell the, these sort of stories with these epic characters forever. And as, if you've got a real good artist who can render the characters like the actors, you really feel like you're back there where you were when you were enjoying the show originally or enjoying the movie originally. Um, and that's the case with this art from, from J.K. Woodward. It really kind of jumps off the page. So it's a great story. Like I said, it's two trade paperback volumes uh, from Dark Horse, and uh, I highly recommend it. It's, you know, if you're not into one or the other of these series, it's still a fun read, you know, a fun sort of adventure story. And if you are into one uh, or the other of these or both, uh, you're going to find it pleases your little nerd heart uh, more than you could imagine. So, Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who, Assimilation Squared. And now a word from our sponsor. God and Comics is proud to be sponsored by The Living Church. For over 139 years, The Living Church magazine has been providing news, commentary, and analysis to members of the Episcopal Church. Today, TLC continues that mission and also provides theological reflection on books, music, art, and even popular culture through the magazine and through the Covenant blog. And TLC isn't just for Episcopalians. TLC covers the whole of the Anglican Communion and beyond, building relationships between communion-minded Christians of all stripes and denominations. As the masthead of the magazine says, TLC's goal is to be truly Catholic, evangelical, and ecumenical. Be sure to go to livingchurch.org to find out more. So um, our theme for this show is what I did on my summer vacation. You all remember, I'm sure, when you would come back after your summer away from school and the first thing your teacher would have you do is write a little, a little story, what I did on my summer vacation, and you would talk about, here's all the things I did, you know, me and my family, we went to the beach, it was fun, I ate ice cream, my sister threw up, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and then, you know, you'd, you'd share that with the class. So that's essentially what we're going to do today. We're going to share with the class, although it's October, so we're, we're, we're well beyond summer at this point. And on my summer vacation, I made what uh, an Episcopal priest friend of mine, who, who shall remain nameless, uh, referred to as an ecclesial migration. And I really like that term, so I've been using it. I used to be an Episcopal priest, as uh, listeners of this program for more than this episode uh, will know. Over the summer, I became a Roman Catholic. So, so, so this was a pretty big change for you. How, how long were you uh, serving at, at a Holy Comforter in, in Drexel Hill? I was rector there for about nine years. I was Episcopal ch uh, priest for 11 or 12 years. Yeah. And how, how long an Episcopalian, all told? How long was I an Episcopalian? Well, see, now, th so this is this is another piece of my story, so, so, too. Yeah, that's what I wanted to go back. So it's not really, it's like kind of a coming home thing, isn't it? It's well, kind of returning to your, your childhood uh, upbringing. Yes, I mean, in, in, certainly in a way, yes. I mean, I was, I was raised... Um, in a Roman Catholic context. Now, it was sort of an unusual Catholic context. 
And so in a lot of ways, I feel like I didn't really get catechized or really kind of learn about the faith um, until I was a young adult. And it was when I was in college, I, you know, I, when I was a teenager, I kind of wanted nothing to do with the church or Christianity. And I, I did all sorts of, um, I thought every religion was interesting except Christianity, basically. Um, but uh, I, you know, I started to go to an Episcopal church in college and was officially received into the church when I was 22. I'm 37 now, so you can do the math on that, I guess. And that's where I really started to learn about Catholic stuff, <laughs> weirdly enough, was when I became an Episcopalian. And I guess it stuck too well. <laughs> <laughs> So, so. I'm, but this isn't just a flippant kind of like shift. I mean, it, this was something that you you had, had, had considered for a long time, and it was sort of a long time coming. If I really want to be introspective about it, I think it goes back a, a fairly long way. You know, I can see kind of seeds of it even going back, maybe even as far as seminary. But in in terms of a, a real sense of this is something God wants me to do. That's happened since about 2015, um, where you know I just had this very strong um, impression of God leading me in this direction, um, and that led to you know discernment in community and to uh, you know discernment in my family and and uh, and all kinds of other things. Before this change, for many of our, our, our listeners might have known you as the conciliar Anglican. You yeah. were well known for uh, articulating very well the, uh, the Anglican kind of perspective on things. So was that, was that difficult, I mean, to lay aside that particular ministry and, and, and to, uh, to move away from something that you were 100% all in? You know, to being an Anglican for so long. What was that like for you? I know there are a lot of people, I still get messages from people who, um, through something I wrote on the conciliar Anglican, that led them into becoming an Anglican or an Episcopalian. I, I'm, I, you know, I was always surprised and, and, and gratified by the kind of response that that project created. And I know there are some people who were, were disappointed uh, when I announced that I was becoming Catholic, um, I, I wrote about this on my current blog, Working the Beads, why I'm why I was becoming Catholic, and I, you know, I, there's some people who felt like that was a um, that that was a commentary on them, you know, um, that it was that this was about rejecting Anglicanism, and and that becomes very personal because then it feels like, well, you're rejecting me, uh, and so I get that. But it really wasn't that for me, you know? I mean, this, this has not been a, a journey. This has been a journey of love for me, which is not to say that it hasn't been hard, but it, it was about following where God was leading me and a sense of opening up to a, a closer relationship with Jesus and a, a great store of... Um, of, uh, or a great, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is really, but you know, a great kind of, uh, treasury. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps filled with merit, you might say. <laughs> 
start calling you Johan Tetzel. Oh, no, you know. Yeah, well, not until I start trying to raise funds for the school. Well, um, um, but, yeah. Well, I mean, this is a heck of a way to celebrate the 500th anniversary. Of the <laughs> uh, yes. Happy birthday, Protestants. <laughs> I'm, you know, and that... Maybe that was the Lord's idea, is he, he would uh, show all Protestants the error of their ways by converting me at this time. Probably not. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think most Protestants are really concerned about what I'm doing or not doing. <laughs> no. But, uh, I mean, but there, there, there has been, I mean, it's, there's a lot of continuity as well as change. I mean, you were you were always a very Catholic-minded Anglican, right? There, there, um, yeah, you know, a, a lot about your theology and, and, and practice hasn't really changed a lot. Your uh, online presence is going to continue with working the beads and, and, and through God and comics as well. So there's there's continuity as well as change. Yeah, and through the Living Church, I'm still writing for Covenant and for the, for the Living Church. You know, we're uh, we're all still friends here, you know, we haven't, Father Kyle hasn't nailed 95 theses to my door yet, so <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, and I should mention, too, the entity within the within the Roman Catholic Church that I've come into uh, is something called the Personal Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter. Uh, and there are three of these ordinariates around the world that came into existence really just in the last five years or so because of something that uh, the previous pope, Pope Benedict XVI, did. And the idea of these ordinariates is to create a space within the Roman Catholic Church for people who are coming from the Anglican tradition, but also just generally to create a space to celebrate and preserve and give life to within the Catholic Church the great riches of the Anglican tradition. And so this includes a number of things. I mean, we have a we have a liturgy for the mass that, you know, most prayer book Anglicans would feel right at home in. We have a musical tradition that's very similar. We have a pastoral approach that's uh, is is framed by a sort of Anglican pastoral approach where you really connect yourself with um, with the whole community that surrounds you and, and tends to be smaller communities for that reason. Um, it's hard to do that when you have 15,000 families in your parish, which is um, the way it is in a lot of Catholic par- uh, a lot of Catholic parishes today. This wouldn't have been possible without, obviously, without Pope Benedict. It wouldn't have been possible without certain groups of Anglicans who were asking for it. But it it also wouldn't have been possible without the Second Vatican Council. I mean, one of the great things, one of the things I love about how the uh, Second Vatican Council talks about the Christian Church and talks about the relationship between the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, and other Christian groups and Christian people is there is a there's very explicit language there that says you know there are gifts in every group of christians that have been given there by the holy spirit and the reason those are given is for the life of the church 
I used to look at the ordinariates before before I started on this journey. I used to look at the ordinariate and think, oh gosh, the whole purpose of that is just to, you know, to kind of squash Anglicans and you know uh, say, hey, you you can come do this thing that's better than what you're doing. What I've discovered is actually quite the opposite. It's saying, hey, the Catholic Church, if the Catholic Church is truly Catholic, right, is truly going to include and be universal and be full, is going to create space for those gifts that have been given outside of the borders of, of, of the church. The Facebook page for the personal ordinary it always has a picture up at the top and the, ch- the picture changes from time to time but it has this little tagline that's always on it that says ecumenism is in the front row <laughs> and I, i've always I, you know i've kind of enjoyed that but well, it's, you know, it sort of reminds me remember remember image comics and when image comics first started yes you know and, and there was there was this big Breakaway, and they were like declaring their independence, you know. And, and, and then, and then, uh, you know, Jim Lee had the Wildcats, and, the, and then they mm-hmm. started uh, Wildstorm, and, and that came back to DC, and and, and he brought that unique uh, perspective at, at, from Image Comics, and it was reintegrated and enriched the DC universe. It's sort of sort of very similar so so in this analogy in this analogy image is the episcopal church and dc is the roman catholic church is that is that correct um do i have that right uh, yeah does does that make marvel eastern eastern orthodoxy or (laughs) i'm not sure and valiant uh, is the lutheran world federation You gotta give a better, better comic brand to it than that. I, I don't. Dark Horse. I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> Maybe Dark Horse is better. IDW. Dynamite. Dynamite would dynamite. be good. Actually, Dynamite would be good for sort of Protestantism in general because it's just you know random characters from all over the place. So just thrown together. <laughs> that, that's Protestantism. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, one one thing that um, you didn't really mention father or it were former father jonathan we should say at this point yeah. is that you you in in making this ecclesiastical migration you've kind of stepped into a place right now where you're um i don't know what the correct terminology is here and maybe you could help me out but you um relinquished your uh ordination and that you'll be ordained or received into the Roman Catholic Church, at which time you'll become Father Jonathan once again. Um, but you introduced yourself at the start of the show by just referring to yourself as Jonathan Michigan. Right. So, and right. if you want to say something about that, it's a little hard to get used to. I, I, um, I, I, you know, I, hopefully and God willing, I'll, I'll uh, have the opportunity to be ordained to, in the Catholic Church. It's one of the things that. Uh, is possible in the ordinariate for a married man to um, to be ordained a, a Catholic priest, um, and so you know there, there are no guarantees in this world, but um, but that's that's something we're working towards, and I'm I'm taking some sem- some uh, seminary classes here, and um, and the the job I'm in at the uh, school is is kind of uh, created for a priest, really, um, so. Um, 
if if I don't get ordained, I don't know what I'm going to be doing every day, actually. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, it 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 takes a little bit to get used to. I, I get up in the morning and put a tie on now, um, which is very strange for me because I've never done it. You know, I, I feel like I'm playing dress up every day when I do. You're that. You're feeling like a Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I was if I if I was doing that, I'd wear like a Hawaiian shirt and uh, you know. shorts. And then I'd have a I'd have just a little bit of my tattoo showing just to show that I have a past. You know. <laughs> Sunday's coming. <laughs> we'll have to link to that video. So well, so I made an ecclesial migration, but Father Kyle, you made an not a migration, but a a, a trip. A physical trip. So while I was going to Rome, uh, metaphorically, you were going there physically. <laughs> yeah, right? I didn't. I didn't quite go to Rome, but I. Oh, went really? To Italy. Okay. Yeah. I went to Italy, and um, we did visit some churches. There were some open churches, and the architecture and the history in those places was astounding and just absolutely gorgeous. The point of my trip was my wife had wanted for some time for me to go over to an island called Ischia, which is off the coast of Naples. It's um, where her father's family of origin comes from. We were going over there. They were celebrating their 43rd wedding anniversary, and they actually had a priest um, renew their vows in a Roman Catholic church. Oh, cool. Uh, It was all done in Italian with the help of a translator to make sure that they understood what they were saying yes to. The Roman Catholic priest, uh, Father Dom Emmanuel, he uh, looked like Ricky Gervais. He had soccer, <laughs> soccer shoes on underneath of his, um, his vestments. <laughs> but he was a great guy, a young priest, and uh, just a very joyful man. So it was an, an excellent time, great, great trip. I saw some Italian comic books while I was there. Oh, good. At a, at a newsstand. And um, it's interesting because they were not quite trade paperbacks, but they obviously wait until several issues of Marvel and DC are printed and then they kind of put them together. They're actually sold, believe it or not, if you draw an equivalent price between euros and American dollars. They're sold for about the same price that one single American comic is sold for. Uh, so, you, you know, you had a collection of like... color? Yeah, it, they're in color. They're on glossy paper, you know. So why are they charging us like four bucks for one? Uh, <laughs> because we will pay off. it. Because we will pay it. That's the That's answer right. to that. Yeah. So, yeah, great trip. Glad, glad I got a chance to do it. I look forward to going back to um, Europe some more and potentially going to Rome one day because I'd very much like to see it. Yeah, I would love it if you if you came to Rome one day. Sorry, <laughs> just, just kidding. Sort of. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, my ecclesiastical migration may go in another a way. different direction. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. You know. It'd be great if you became a rabbi. You've already got the you got the beard for it, so I don't think I could deny my Lord and Savior. Oh well you could you could what's the what are they called? Messianic Mes- Jews? You could be a messianic yeah, Jewish there rabbi. You there you go. Um Okay. So it's good for us that we take these breaks between the seasons, I think. It helps to sort of recharge us, but 
one of the unfortunate things about taking the summer off is we miss uh, doing shows on some of the big uh, summer blockbusters and so forth. The biggest one, obviously, I think, in the uh, comic book world would have to be Spider-Man Homecoming. I think all three of us saw it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you guys think? It. Yeah, what did you guys yeah. think? Father Matt, what, let's start with you. What did you think of Spider-Man Homecoming? Oh, I, I thought it was great. I mean, um, it, it, it captured so much of the spirit of the comic while being like its own thing and really contributing something original to the character, which is a, a, a feat without it, it feeling false. I thought Michael Keaton was tremendous uh, as, as, yes. as the vulture. Yes. Um, and, uh, I mean, he was one of the more memorable villains. I think probably uh, probably the best Spider-Man villain in, in the films since Willem Dafoe's The Green Goblin. So, uh, you, know, I'm, I, you know, and I hope they continue that trend in, for, in, in, in the further installments in the, in the Spider-Man franchise um, of having the great, vivid villains. Spider-Man's got a great rogues gallery, and... Uh, I think they could do a lot of really great things with it. It was also very exciting to see Spider-Man interact with other characters in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Iron Man's a big part of the film. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that Spider-Man's got a really tricked-out outfit in the film that is a, a lot more... Um, it's, a, it, it's a lot different than the kind of... Uh, homemade spandex uniform that, that Spider-Man is known for wearing. It's designed by Tony Stark, and it's got, like, advanced uh, computer technologies, microchips and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> Stark cool. technology. So in that way, it's kind of like a play on Spider-Man's special Iron Spider suit. Although it, it, it doesn't look as stupid as the Iron Spider suit. <laughs> Father Kyle, did you uh, did you enjoy the film as well? Yeah, I absolutely did. I actually concur with Father Matt. Yeah, I thought that it did a great job of capturing the spirit of the Spider-Man comics. I had a few little qualms with it in in the sense that I feel like some of the heartbeat of the Spider-Man universe, and this is a critique I would have had of the previous two amazing Spider-Man films as well, were missing. They didn't have J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, um, well, hopefully in the next one. I'm not sure the romance life of Peter Parker, the little twist at the end with the, you know, name of the girlfriend thing. I'm not sure I dug that so much, but... Um, what did you think about Gank? Uh, his name wasn't Gank in, 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 uh, in, the, in the movie, though, was it? But it was basically like Miles's pal. Yeah, it was Ned Leeds, so that's who they played. You know, they had him be Ned Leeds, who's Betty Brant's husband, future um, framed Hobgoblin, all of that. I mean, it was an attempt, I think, to sort of appeal to some of the folks who are more familiar with the Ultimate Spider-Man line, and it, it worked. The one thing that well, I was a little concerned about, and this is sort of an Ultimate Spider-Man issue versus Amazing Spider-Man, is that everybody in the world knows Ultimate Spider-Man's identity. He seems he seems unable to like contain his secret identity and they're they're heading in that direction with this film. And they played 
Ned leads directly into that, right? That he he found out about him and became his like um, his Alfred Pennyworth, for lack of a better term. You know, he's there <laughs> to kind of assist him in this war on he, crime. He, he's but, great, though. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. love I, I love Gink in, in in the comics and yeah. Ned in the movie is. I mean, he's just he's like uh, uh, like the kids that I hung out with when I was. Peter Parker's age. This is... I, I hung out with Gang. Like I went to school with him. We played Legos. You know. <laughs> I mean, he was a very vivid character. That's what I feel like. This that film gets right. I mean, I didn't. You know, I wasn't exactly like super excited for another Spider-Man franchise, but I I ended up really liking it too. And I, I think that one of the things that that I really liked about it is the kids in this film seemed like kids. You know, yes. I mean, like, the, obviously, like, the, I mean, the Tobey Maguire, the first film, he's theoretically a high school, but th- he, come on, he didn't look like a high school kid. He certainly didn't right. act like a high school kid. College, yeah. So, but these, these kids actually seem like high school kids. And I, I love the sort of the new take on, um, uh, what's the, it's been so long and I'm, I'm sort of blanking, uh, on names and things, but the, the kid that always, um. Is it Flash Thompson? Is that the the, the kid that always yeah, makes fun? Yeah. yeah, who you know in the sort of original version of of him in the comic is like this kind of bully sort of jock figure. Well, they remake him as essentially a uh, a nerdy bully. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought well, that was brilliant. You know, like a special kind of. Um school for gifted kids right exactly so these kids like they're still i mean you know because they're kids and they're human and so they're still just as mean to each other as every other group of kids is but they're like nerdy and mean somehow at the same time you know like they (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i think that was a really good touch and i think you're right about the kids you know having it be kids i thought this was hands down the best peter parker and uh, i i mean this guy played it so well and um yeah, I and, and, and we, we, we shouldn't neglect to mention hands down the hottest Aunt May too. <laughs> <laughs> and very realistically age positioned though. Seriously. Yeah, what like, what well, I never understood why uh, Aunt May was like a hundred years old. So I figured it out recently. I had this question as well, and I've been part of my summer um, my summer time has been spent reading back issues of spider-man and um i was recently reading an an issue from the late 90s early 2000s where they kind of explained the fact that ben parker you know who's aunt may's husband was richard parker who's peter's father's older brother by multiple years so this leads you to have an older aunt may of course of course but I think but, there's a more realistic sense of Marissa Tomei being, you know, kind of closer. Yeah, I almost, I mean, I, I, I wish they had done more with her character. And I hope they, they, uh, they dwell more on, on M.A. in the future. I um, think they would. Yeah. Yeah, and as well as introducing J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, but who's going to play J. Jonah Jameson that's going to be better than J.K. Simmons playing? They need to bring J.K. Simmons back. Yeah, I guess they could. I don't know. But I mean, he was perfectly he really, cast. He really was. He really was. He's the voice I hear in my head when I read Spider-Man. Yeah, me you know? too. <laughs> it's just, 
I can't can't get past it because yeah. he's so good. But well, and he was, he did the voice on the cartoon when they did the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. He did the voice of uh, J. Jonah Jameson on that. Oh, did he? See, yeah. see, now I haven't I haven't watched much of the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. That's on that's on our list. But this summer, my kids and I watched the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. Which was. I was I was really taken with it. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really well done, and I, I liked how it was a continuous story. I loved the way the characters were portrayed. Have you guys seen this? This no. spectacular story. I have not. I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it to know that it exists, but I haven't seen an episode of it. Um, it's only thirteen episodes. I mean, it, it it only lasted one season, but it's a it's a great season. One of the more uh, watchable cartoons for for adults out there i thought i thought it was uh really well done i'll have to check it out you know which one what was really good um and just started this summer is marvel's spider-man which is the new spider-man cartoon on um disney xfinity i think it is and, oh, really? uh, or disney xd that's what it is and i've watched a few episodes with my daughter and it's really well done it sort of plays on the um movie it kind of borrows the homemade costume from homecoming and um lets him have that costume for a while and brings in miles morales and you know some other characters uh from spider-man's current universe so it's really really a good cartoon one of the first uh shows that we did this is season four now but one of the first shows we did was on cartoons and i feel like i've been thinking this summer a lot like Oh man, I could do that show so much better now because I've watched so much more cartoons <laughs> yeah. since well, then. Um, we'll have to do cartoons redux. Maybe. Well, so did did you guys watch anything over the summer that did not involve Spider Man, or was it just uh, a continuous uh, Spider Man? Uh... <laughs> yeah, like I don't watch stuff for grown ups much anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I watched The Defenders. Of course, we're going to do do a show on that, so I won't talk about that now. But one of the things I did do uh, in between, you know, moving across the country was I watched, you know, this year um, the CW made some kind of deal with Netflix. And so as soon as all of those Arrowverse shows had their finale, they were, boom, whole seasons up on Netflix and I just kind of waited all year to watch them, and I just I've just sort of been binging through it. So I haven't finished Arrow season five yet. I'm kind of I'm kind of tired of Arrow to tell you the truth, but I I did watch I watched the second season of Supergirl, and I watched the uh, I guess it was the third season of Flash, the Flash, and yeah. and the the second season of Legends, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I thought the the third season of the Flash was was pretty good. I actually think it's probably the best um, oh, the okay. best season they've had yet. It gets into a lot of crazy time, you know. Like there's all this sort of like back and forth um, kind of like co- convoluted stuff in it, but it's fun. Well, what about Super? I'm I'm watching Supergirl now. Yeah, two, and I'm loving it. I think it's great. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's I think it's still I actually think the the move from CBS to the CW probably helped more than it hurt because uh, it's forcing them to do more storytelling without being able to rely just solely on massive amounts of money for massive amounts of effect. 
so I, you know, I thought that was pretty good. But but the the really interesting one from a God and Comics perspective, oddly enough, was the second season of Legends of Tomorrow, which wow. of those series is probably the most ridiculous. I mean, it's you know, just I haven't seen any of it. Off the charts nuts. Well, if you've seen any of the like the other Arrowverse shows, I, I just yeah, I saw a, that they made a character called Isis. <laughs> Isis, who is a Muslim character. <laughs> really? Maybe that's you know the character Isis. Maybe that's for the new season, but the the maybe, season maybe it's coming up. And I yeah. was just like, what were they thinking? <laughs> I don't know. But no, actually, like this season, they this season had some cool stuff. Like they they met the JSA. They like oh. went back to 1942 and met the JSA. Oh wow! So like that was kind of neat. Um, but the um, and you know it's it's such a weird combination of characters. It's like. Firestorm and the Atom and Hawk Girl, right? Hawk, Hawk, yeah, but Hawk she's Girl. she's not on she's not on there anymore. But now they've got Vixen, um, White Canary, White Canary, White Rip Canary. Rip Hunter. Yeah. Um, so you know it's like a weird sort of like combo of of um, bizarre characters. But <laughs> the main thrust of this season. Uh, they're in a race against uh, a group, basically a group of bad guys who've been on the other Arrowverse shows, but from like previous eras, who are trying to hunt down the Spear of Destiny, which they describe the Spear of Destiny as the spear that pierced Christ's side. Oh, right. Okay? Yeah. And it's been separated into pieces because it can never fall into enemy hands, because if you put it together, it has the power to rewrite reality. Yeah, this is a Because very, why wouldn't it? <laughs> this is a very um, JSA uh, thing. So uh, part of what I did this summer was read the story. The um, It's called the, the Fall of the JSA, or the End of the JSA. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a trade collected up a bunch of issues. I think it was like a six-issue run or something. Um, At the end of the Crisis on Infinite Earths, they had to do something with the Justice Society. And so what they did is they had the Spear of Destiny fall into Hitler's hands. And because, you know, Hitler's always chasing these ancient uh, religious relics and so forth. So the Spear of Destiny in this comic is rewriting history and more or less what happens is that Justice Society of America ends up getting caught in a time loop, and the only way that they can continue to exist is to exist in this time loop. So this is a very Justice yeah, that's, Society of that's America interesting. thing. Yeah, that, well, that makes sense, because these guys very often draw from a lot of this source. You can tell they're like nerds that work on this stuff. But I just, I just thought, I mean, it was, and it was entertaining and I'm, I'm perfectly happy to suspend disbelief and just kind of go with it. But I, you know, I just thought how, like, how funny this is, you know, to see stuff like this in, in popular culture where, you know, people are so completely ignorant of what Christians actually believe about anything that it's deemed plausible that this could actually be a thing that like the spear that pierced jesus's side 
you know, could rewrite reality yeah. and uh, as though he, some power transferred from Jesus. Right. Exactly. Like it became right? like magic at the moment it yeah. touched his. You know, I mean, like, come right. on, man. <laughs> but they do. They do crazy stuff. Like they, 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 um, they meet George Lucas and J.R.R. Tolkien, and. Uh, <laughs> This is something really kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, that's what I'm <laughs> it saying. It's a fun show. It's ridiculous, but it's also like fun because it's like, oh, what, what, what on earth are they going to do next? You know. So anyway. Fascinating. Yeah. We'd love to know what you guys did on your summer vacation. Uh, did you go anywhere interesting? Did you do anything interesting? Did you see or read anything interesting? Let us know. Uh, through social media we are on facebook at facebook.com slash god and comics or you can tweet at us we are on twitter at god and comics and uh, we look forward to interacting with you there and, and please feel free to like us on facebook or follow us on twitter we're always happy to have more folks to interact with but for now we're going to move on uh, to our our final segment here it is the inaugural edition for season four of this or that. This or that. This or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man. This or that. Spider-Man or Superman. This or that. Boxes or briefs. This or that. DVD or VHS. This or that. Dungeons or Dragons. This and that. Moses or Elijah. This or that. This or that. This or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Huh? So, Father Matt, I'll give you the first one. Black Bolt or Black Panther? They're both great Lee Kirby creations from the Fantastic Four. But I, I think the Black Panther has a special place in my heart. I'll have to go with Black Panther. Well, Father Jonathan, Friday the 13th or A Nightmare on Elm Street? I don't like horror movies, and I'm not sure that I've ever actually seen either one of those. So I'm just going to take the very first part of the choice you gave me and go with Friday. Starring Ice Cube. That's a great movie. Ah, okay. And then there's also fantastic. Next Friday and then uh, Friday After Next. So Yes, which are a fantastic series of movies. There you go. Hard to find for a while on DVD. I went on a, I went on a long trip to try and locate Friday because it's such a fantastic movie. And now it's everywhere after my... You know, I've always been surprised that the restaurant that's supposed to be named and themed after those movies don't have them playing all the time. I mean, they call the place TJI Fridays. Why aren't they showing the Friday franchise whenever you walk in? I don't get it. Well, that's because of the dirty underwear scene with the straw. They can't can't show that while they're serving food. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Father Matt, this one is for you. Beef Jerky or the Jerky Boys? <laughs> I don't really care for Beef Jerky all that much. The Jerky Boys are a couple of rude guys. but uh, yeah, That's I, a deep I, I gotta, cut. That's a deep cut, the Jerky Boys. <laughs> I, got, I, I got a lot of laughs out of it when I was like 12. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Carrot or Captain Canuck? And I actually did pick up a Captain Carrot comic, uh, free comic book day of this past year. Um, I'm going to have to go with Captain Canuck, though. George Jetson or Fred Flintstone? Oh, Fred Flintstone. No wow. contest. Well, I mean, the, the Jetsons were okay, but the Flintstones 
as a stone cold classic. And it, I mean, it's a yabba dabba do time. So you, if given the choice of looking to the future, you prefer to live in the past, is what you're saying? That's what he said. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm a paleo kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I want like a big like rack of ribs that looks like it came off a dinosaur. <laughs> you know? That tilts your car over. Yeah, I'd eat a dinosaur. <laughs> Jonathan, this one is for you. Gal Gadot or Linda Carter? Oh, man. That's, oh. That's not right. Well, actually, that was one of the cool things about Supergirl Season 2, because Linda Carter comes on as the President of the United States. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and I, I, I think it would be awesome if she actually was President of the United States. Um, but, uh, oh, man, that's so tough. You know, I'm going to have to go with Linda Carter. I have to. I have to. I love Gal Gadot. She's doing a great job. But, you know, Linda Carter is just, like, classic. You know? Yeah. And, you know, actually, this reminds me, um, we didn't mention probably the most sort of significant thing uh, uh, in sort of extended comic world that happened this summer was the death of Adam West. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah. That's true, that happened this summer. Maybe at some point, maybe we'll do a whole show on Adam West. Although we've talked a lot about him before. But, uh, mm. you know, I, I just thought, wow, you know, I mean, yeah. the end of an era, I'm, really. I'm glad he got one more um, animated movie in under his belt, which comes out next week, Batman versus Two-Face. Oh, good. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm I looking forward to that. I did not know about that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, him and Julie Newmar and Burt Ward, they did did a oh, sequel to the even better. Return of the Cape Crusader, so yeah. it's well worth it. Hmm. All right, um, let's see, where are we? Father Matt, uh, Deadpool or Deathstroke the Terminator? Deadpool might look a little cooler than Deathstroke. I'll go with Deadpool. Okay. Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd? Bugs Bunny, I suppose. Father Matt, this one is for you. I know that you enjoy folk music. Burt Yanch or Phil Oaks? I am a big fan of both. I mean, Phil Oaks. I, I mean, I will say he's a great songwriter, but because he, because of what made him great, which was his social commentary. His his music is a, is a little more like of the moment. It's a little more dated than Bird Change. It's a little uh, less, you know, uh, timeless. You know, it's it's so specifically of the age. So I may maybe I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I might say Bird Change, but uh, no, it's it's really hard. Don't quote me on that. I've thrown him into a big dilemma. I believe the correct <laughs> answer that you're looking for is Tom Petty. That's yeah, what you're looking at. Yeah. I won't back down from that one. Much respect <laughs> to Tom Petty. Yes. That was very sad news. It was very sad news, but I really enjoyed the uh, the meme that Father Matt shared, uh, which was a, a, pie, <laughs> a pie chart of things that Tom Petty doesn't want you to do with various percentages. 
and it was you know live like a refugee back down uh, and then the biggest one of course was do him like that he doesn't oh, want you to do goodness. him like that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that so. oh my well one more Jonathan this is for you yeah cousin Larry or Balky Bartakamoose. Oh, wow. Um, well, so if I'm going from sheer entertainment standpoint, I would probably go with Balky uh, because uh, he is uh, very entertaining and he sometimes makes me so happy that I do the dance of joy, you know. <laughs> um, on the other hand, he lives in uh, Cousin Larry's apartment and I think uh, everyone would agree with me that it's really hard to get a nice apartment like that in downtown Chicago. So I'm going to, for purely utilitarian reasons, go with Cousin Larry. You don't watch Perfect Strangers now. I kind of Why? still think it's funny. It's totally not. And you know what else, too? So, you know, I I just discovered that uh, Full House is on Hulu. We're watching it right now. Yeah, and because my my wife is watching Fuller House, the new show on Uh Netflix. She thinks it's the greatest thing ever, and I I just can't stand it. It's so bad. And so, and and my memory of Full House was that it was pretty bad, too. And so I kind of turned it on specifically to hate watch it. And then I laughed my head off through the first two episodes. I was like, this show is actually, I mean, it's ridiculous uh, and saccharine, but it was actually kind of funny. Like, the physical comedy in it was kind of funny. Yeah, my daughter, my daughter, um, you know, we put it on for her because we were trying to find a show that we could all watch together that was, you know, good and, and decently wholesome. Um, and we put that on as something we'd watch, and she loved it. And uh, loves it. And we were in Target um, last Friday night, and there was a Hawaiian shirt on the rack. And she looked and said, "Hey, that's the shirt from Full House." That's right. Because Joey's always wearing shirts like that. Well, like, and Dave Coulier is is very funny um, and and more interesting than you would think he is. Look up; he's been a couple of times on Kevin Pollock's chat show. Look that up. Okay. It's it's entertaining. Oh, he's yeah. He I've seen him. He is a he's, he's a pretty funny comic. Yeah, yeah. And listen to the song that Alanis Morissette wrote about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ought to know that that means we're at the end of our program. Um, I think was that the last one, Fox? That was it. That was it. Okay. Uh, then we are, in fact, at the end of our program. Season 4 has officially been inaugurated, and you can re-listen to the show if you want uh, by going to the show page on our website, goddencomics.com. You can also see a bunch of the rad stuff that we talked about today. There are always links to things there, uh, so uh, do be sure to go to goddencomics.com and check that out. Our show is subscribable through iTunes, And while you're on iTunes, if you could rate and and review us, we would really uh, love you for it. I know I say that every time, and and everybody probably thinks, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll do that someday. No, really, please. It will help us out tremendously. Other people will find the show. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give out indulgences at this point since I'm Catholic now, but um, if if it'll help. 
if, if it'll you help. Do, I'll be painting 95 theses. Okay. Well, um, yeah, the, Father Kyle will give out, uh, I don't know, whatever it is that Protestants I'll give out. Give an out. Absolution. You'll give out an absolution and, and a Protestant work ethic. Um, but <laughs> whatever, whatever it is you guys uh, would like, uh, we will promise to you. We may not fulfill that promise. Uh, but uh, seriously, uh, we, we, we would really be grateful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Our theme music, which you are hopefully banging your head to right this moment, is by our friend Father Paul Wheatley, whose recent controversial dancey dance on Yo Gabba Gabba got him thrown out of the state of Texas. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Michigan. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. And we'll see you.